Welcome to Reify, where big ideas meet real life. These guests help us take abstract ideas and break them down into actions and strategies. So we all walk away with tips or advice on how we can integrate big ideas into our everyday life. So this week's big idea is building community. Our tradition on Reify will be to ask our writer, Susanna, to explain this week's big idea in a quick poem. So Susanna, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's do it. You're part of community, you, you, and you, but you often forget, as yous tend to do, that to get things done, your you needs a we. With we, magic happens, as you will soon see. We're better together, more mighty, more fun. Today, these four women show us how it's done. So crank up your earbuds a decibel or two, because building a we might just start with you. That was awesome. Well done. <laughs> Great job. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Susanna. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to Reify and our episode about building community. Our first guest that I'll introduce is Brenda Berg. Brenda, you are the director of BEST, a nonpartisan nonprofit group of business leaders that advocate for education, public education. Brenda, welcome. And how do you take your coffee? I take my coffee black, as any good Swede would do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brenda. And uh, we also have Ashton Smith, community manager at Citrix. And you're interfacing with businesses and nonprofits in the community, working to ensure, as you have uh, shared with us, that Citrix is acting as a good neighbor whenever possible. I love that. How do you take your coffee? Um, much like Brenda, I take it black or yeah. short if I can. I'm an espresso fanatic. So <laughs> either way, one or the other. Wonderful. And Naira, a nonprofit executive consultant, is joining us today. And you were most recently the director of the North Carolina Society of Hispanic Professionals. Thrilled to have you here today. Thank How do you. you take your coffee? I love having very, very strong coffee. So my favorite is usually start cortado in the morning. It's very, very strong espresso with just a tab of coconut milk in it. Um, I really, really enjoy it. That sounds, sounds like we should get together for coffee more often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, also joining us is Preeti Thomas. Preeti, you do have a role at Red Hat, but the reason I reached out to you is because you're the founder of Chick Tech, the, the local chapter here in the area of Chick Tech, and I'm excited to talk to you about that. But as we introduce you today, how do you take your coffee? Black. <laughs> no sugar. Not there. This has got to be a common thing. Is it genetic, maybe? There are whole studies around this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so to start off, here's our first question. So each of you has taken some risks in your career paths. And so I wanted to kick this off by asking, what advice would you give to people who are staring down a risk or starting a big change in their career? I think the biggest thing that's helped me through the years is being willing to test things where you can. Mm -hmm try it out. You don't always have to dive in 100%. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you have to make the choice, either this or that. But a lot of times there's opportunities for people to try something a little bit, whether that's mm -hmm. through an internship or a pilot project of some kind. So that for me has been really helpful. Oh, that's interesting, Ashton. So as you're talking about testing, I, um, Yara, I saw you nodding. Yes, I definitely, um, I think with any risk comes opportunity. So I shy away from having these very clear set expectations of what's the next step or where you're going or having this specific plan that can really close doors rather than open. So I have definitely been a big tester around my professional career and that has 
had had the opportunity to give me a specific skill set that really distinguishes me from other nonprofit executives. Um, so I've had the opportunity to work with media. I've had the opportunity to work with corporations, with government agencies, mm -hmm. with uh, nonprofit um, organizations, and that comes from kind of being flexible and having that mindset of this is a risk, but it's also an opportunity for me. I think the biggest career change I made was moving to North Carolina from Puerto Rico and starting over. And that was extremely scary when you have your consulting work established back in the island and coming to such a big state, super different, um, so diverse. Yeah. That was very interesting to me. And Frankly, I was super scared. I was like, what does this look like? And two years later, it looked so much different with, with what I thought it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, you know, on my next step but and being figuring it out. open to that opportunity when yes. it came and, and testing it. I'd love to hear more. So when you're in a position, to you're being open, you have this mindset of being open. How do you find those opportunities mm -hmm. to test something new, to try to work with different groups? Well, I think the best thing you can do is talk to people who have done it already. And they can give you tips and maybe even open doors, tell you about organizations. They can tell you their own experience and give you that chance to really find those opportunities. Because it's going to be different depending on what risk you're taking. But maybe it's an internship or maybe it's a project you can work on or an organization you can volunteer with before you get 100% committed. So finding the people who are already doing that. And when it comes to finding people, I automatically, Brenna, I think of you just because in your role, you're uniting these businesses toward this goal of supporting public education. So whether we're talking about finding people whose career careers we want to follow or who we want to look at as mentors or finding people to unite us in a network. How, how do you find these people and, and what do you do when you find them? Well, yeah, I, I think in all of our work, one, if you're afraid of failure, you're not going to have success, right? So you have to be mm -hmm. open to failure in order to push forward. I also have a, a strong belief that I would really rather avoid other people's failures. So I, I tend to curate people who are doing something or have done something similar to what I'm doing and, and ask them what went wrong. And people oh, wow. you know, tend to sort of back up and I say, but that's, this is good. You, you, you failed because you were moving yourself forward. And so trying to learn from other people's failures so I can avoid those, so I can make my own mistakes, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and hopefully limit the mistakes along the way. So surrounding yourself with people who are doing something similar. We're currently working on a massive teacher recruitment campaign. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just going to the usual suspects, because if we do it the same way we've always done, we can't expect mm -hmm. different results. And so I'm going all over the country and around the world, and I'm talking to private sector HR folks about how they recruit great talent, how they retain great talent. Just um, opening yourself up and making yourself a little bit vulnerable and saying, I don't know all the answers mm -hmm. myself. Definitely. And people are really eager, actually, to share um, to their lessons along the way. I, think, I find it's incredibly important. That's, that's wonderful to hear because I think reaching out to people can be um, can be nerve-wracking, but knowing that a lot of times that's really well-received. Um, Nayara, you mentioned that you worked with a lot of different kind. You worked with media, you worked with government, you were, I mean, lots of different yes. types. So when you're reaching out to such a broad spectrum, as Brenda's mentioning, when we're reaching out, trying to find things that are done in different ways, um, what's your approach there to kind of cast that wide net? I think it's about, and this is kind of with, with our broad, um, with our podcast today, it's about understanding the diversity at the table and encouraging a space where everyone's expertise is shared and creating that shared value. So I don't have to be the expert in Brenda's business approach, but I do create that space where she can be at the table and share with us, same with um, Ashton and her approach. Um, it's about 
what is calling what's the common call you know what's a common cause and why are we, why are we sitting here yeah. and just sharing that vision and trying to develop agreements that can help us work together and collaborate mm -hmm. and and create this other thing so okay. it's it's really an invitation that has been my approach always and trusting that everybody has knowledge and can bring a specific asset to the table Leanna, what do you think it is that because I, I think that you're right. People respond to being asked to share mm -hmm. their expertise. Why? What do you think it is? Well, I think everybody values. <laughs> they, we we auto value ourselves. Um, I don't know if that's a word in English. Um, yeah, ego is probably the answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't like how that sounds. So I'm like yeah. trying to translate it. Um, but I think that actually, in my experience, it's hard to. It's not. It's hard for people to come at it with confidence and trust specifically. Building trust is so hard. So you always think everybody else has a different agenda than yours, and that, to me, is what takes the most time, building that and saying, I can share this here because it's going to bring value, so um, I and that's hard. I love that because something um, Brenda mentioned, you used the word curate when you talked yes. about building this network, and then now we're talking about this idea of an invitation, and I have this beautiful image in my head of this table where we're trying to create this space where people can bring different kinds of expertise, they're invited, we've kind of curated this group. Mm -hmm. So, so give us some specifics. How do we do that? How do you invite people? How do you make them feel welcome? How do you open it up so lots of people can share? When I started the work that I'm doing right now, which is it's a bipartisan organization mm -hmm. working on very partisan policies and um, bringing people to the, to the table, I first thought I'm going to invite lots of diverse perspectives. I know that, that you get a better product when you do that. And I thought I was going to tell everyone to check their biases at the door. And someone very wise, actually Representative Samuelson, who has since passed, gave me these words. She said, you can't ask people to check their biases at the door. That's not reasonable. What you can ask them to do is put their biases on the table in front of them. Oh, wow. And so there, it's really not bias, it's perspective, right? So we're, we're talking about um, student achievement. Let's, let's put students as the center of the table. We have this shared, shared goal, and it doesn't matter which diversity I'm representing, but I can say I represent the teachers, you represent the curriculum folks, you represent the business community, and we put those those perspectives on the table and we will come to a better product as long as we do both of those two things. One, we put our perspectives on the table, but we put whatever we're focusing on, in my case, it's the students in the center of the table as the top priority. That's wonderful. And you know, Susanna, I think that kind of gets to your question of mm -hmm. why do people agree to do to share their expertise, if you can bring out that shared goal, like you said. It takes down the barriers, absolutely. Right. We have a sense, Wonderful. there's a need. I, I just read a book called Political Tribes by Amy Chua, um, and it talks about how everyone needs to be part of a tribe, and, and it explains a lot of what's happening currently in our in our politics. And I think if you take that to your advantage and you make this, this tribe, in my case, uh, about students, we can, it's okay to be part of multiple tribes. I can be part of the Swedish tribe and the from Minnesota tribe and the I care about education deeply tribe. Um, and, and so it's okay that we all have our, our different perspectives, but as long as what you're trying to get toward kind of becomes its own tribe. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great, it's a great read. Yeah, in my experience, that's the one of the best ways to get a group of conflicting opinions to kind of get over the the conflict is to identify that singular goal. And I do think, yes, ego is a part of it, of course, to why people say yes. But a lot of times we want to 
all want to solve a problem. We can all see where they are, and we mm. want to be a part of the solution. We want to make our communities and our neighborhoods better. And so being able to identify that specific goal, people can stay focused on that instead of what's holding them back. And it's, it's easy to put lip service to it, though. I, I want to caution. Like, we can all say that we care about the kids, but if your perspective is you're sort of entrenched in your ideology. So actually having the group really practice what it preaches, so to speak. Um, the, the founder of the Harlem Children's Zone in New York, which absolutely transformed, I think, 97 square blocks of Harlem. And when he came in, he had, a, he had his own community, his own people from Harlem were coming after him. And he said, well, you know, the students are the priority. Oh, yes, of course, the students are the priority. Well, he set a, a day of, of kind of giving back where they were going to transform a parking lot into a, a park. And he said, if you show up and actually spend, you know, a whole weekend of your time rolling up your sleeves for the kids, then I'll believe you. So he kind of created a litmus step. <laughs> wow. Because I think it's, to some extent it's also that you've defined it well enough that it's okay that other, some people are not at the table. Um, and therefore the people who really are, are, are deeply committed to that priority are at the table. There has to be some kind of priority given to respect everybody around the table is respecting each other and that we are truly deeply committed to that, that shared goal. Well, I think your word again comes up here, curate. So this intentional practice mm -hmm. of thinking through, first of all, what is the goal? What is the goal here that we're going to connect to at this table? And then who are the people who need to be here and whose voices need to be here so that it is diverse, but that it comes back to the shared goal. I love the journey that we've taken a little bit here. We started off talking about risks, but as soon as we started talking about that, as we talked about career opportunities and taking risks and trying new things, we talked about well, you have to build a network. You have yes. to find people who have done those things. And now we've transitioned to this idea of, well, how do we build a network? And what does that look like and why? And so some things I've learned right away, I, I think I'll think of this word curate really intentionally when I'm thinking about my own networks and, and building communities. But I think also this invitation, what that invitation means and how I can connect it to a shared goal. And then to your point about creating a park out of a parking lot, <laughs> How am I going to, as the facilitator of this community, make a clear path for someone to help and participate in this shared goal? That's really important. So that we're not just saying our goal is improving the lives of, stu lives of students. What does that look like? And mm -hmm. so maybe as the community manager, your, your role is facilitating that and making that path. And sometimes it's bringing the right people to the table, going back to curating that network and building it. And I think both personally and professionally, there's a, an opportunity to really expand your network, and part of that is in getting involved in all kinds of different things. It's saying yes to mm -hmm. multiple opportunities on a personal level. It's to following many of your interests, because most people don't have one singular interest. And at a you know, professional level, that's getting involved in a lot of different groups and maybe a couple that aren't as comfortable for you as others <laughs> might be. And that can help bring together those different elements. So you have those relationships when it's time to curate that meeting, that organization, that project. Yeah. And so what does that look like for you, Ashton, the different, the different groups? Or oh. what has that looked like? Uh, so <laughs> I have been really lucky that I have had a wandering career path. Um, I studied design at NC State. I sold residential real estate in downtown Raleigh. I moved to Italy for a few years and taught English. I came back to the US and got involved in project management and then community engagement for Citrix. So my point in saying all of that is that each one of those things has had a vast network of access and opportunity, and it has not been the most direct path. I'm sure it stressed my parents out a lot for, <laughs> for some time, but it's opened up a lot of great relationships. And so now when I need someone in a different field to offer expertise on something, I have 
either that relationship or one step away from that relationship. That's wonderful. And it reminds me of this quote that I heard from a mentor early in my career, which is the time to build your network is not when you need your network. That's right. So that's wonderful. 100%. How does that compare to your experience, um, Naira, with moving here? Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's hard. Well, it's about relationships to me. To me, it's about relationships and it's about shared values. Um, so when I approach anything, it's not that I need specifically I need to meet this person it's just that it kind of flows into it um, and I for my ex- personal experience was restarting a network from scratch yeah so that was you know what I, whatever I built it was like this is not coming with me so how what does this look like here with a different culture with the southern states with being in the United States um, for the first time so people usually they think I'm Puerto Rican so they're like oh you came from New York or Florida I'm like no I came from the Caribbean from the island so adapting to that was very hard and it took me a while it took me a while interactions were sometimes confusing to me because of my culture and learning a new culture was very interesting to me. I'm going to give a quick example. When we got, we, we, you guys have the potlucks here, and everybody brings a dish, and uh-huh. you know, you, you like very take southern, it back. You, you take it back when yeah, you leave. Yeah, yeah. That for me was like, what's going on here? Because in our like potlucks, you leave it because it's like, oh, the party's uh-huh. not done, so I'll leave it. And I was like, what's going on? And it took me a while, <laughs> and I finally figured out it's not to inconvenience the host. You don't want to leave the host more work at the end of the night. And right. I, when that clicked, I was like wow, this is just super interesting to me because my perception would have been super different. Yeah, and I think your potluck example reminds me of Brenda's discussion of you really can't leave your biases at the door. Mm-hmm. They're going to walk with you no matter where No, and, and at the end of the day, you have an idea in your head of what happens to a casserole dish when the potluck is over. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's supposed to happen. That curiosity, I think, is so incredibly important. Yeah. I, I have never learned anything from someone I agree with. Oh, I love that. Right? So mm-hmm. sitting down with people who I don't agree with, to me, is the most exciting thing that I do every single day. And having those intentional conversations with people who, like, I know you're not evil, right? Like, I know that we disagree, <laughs> and you have a reason to believe that thing. And we, we may part disagreeing. or we, But generally, if you, have, if you have a case to be made and you talk with somebody you disagree with, you either make your case stronger because you've had this conversation, or you realize that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are beautiful and important to do. And so, and, and I think yes. that relates to earlier, Ashton mentioned, you know, saying yes to lots and lots of different things. Yeah. So I just um, started a new role at Red Hat. So um, there's a couple of and us when you here said, at the table. Yes. Yeah. When you say just started, on Monday. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, wow. Thank Congratulations. you. It's actually different. I come to realize it's different when you go from in, um, outside to a, another company. When you're an in, insider, you're expected to know certain things, but then every department, every every team works differently. So you kind right, of have right. to. Yeah, that's an interesting parallel, though, to what we were talking about yes. before, even going back to the potluck. You talk about cultures, and that's an mm-hmm. internal company culture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you think because it's, it's familiar, it's mm-hmm. a culture you're a part of, that you'll automatically know what's normal, what's typical, the expected knowledge, and what's sometimes easier, I think, when you change cultures is you expect it to be different. And that can be hard, particularly when you're bringing people together who are already in the same community, is you sort of assume easily that everybody 
is already bought into the same ideas, the same concepts, the same terms and all of that. And so mm-hmm. that kind of is a nice parallel to, to bring it all back. I love it. So we, we were, we were talking about cultures and community and what mm-hmm. it's like. And um, we heard some wonderful examples. And I think, yeah, the point there being sometimes even within a bigger culture, there are these subcultures. And so yes. taking risks within the companies or associations that you're already in, mm-hmm. what does that look like? And do you have thoughts about whether if you're in a big company, someone should be or could be reaching out across different silos? Definitely. I think uh, networking is a big part of that. Uh, And also, um, for example, when I was looking at this position, I was like, "Mm, I don't fit into all those uh, requirements that they're asking for. But then I've waited around for too long uh, filling in all those requirements. But then I was like, okay, it's time to take a risk and see. It doesn't, I don't have to have everything in. I can learn on the job. So it was mm-hmm. uh, my mental shift for me thinking in, in terms of I don't have to know everything before I go and I can still learn. So I just you applied to, for yeah. a position even though you didn't fit all of the requirements. Yeah, absolutely. And Brenda, I saw you sit up when she said that. Is this, there a reason this why? Is, this is the time for the lean-in speech. <laughs> <laughs> if you have not read Sheryl Sandberg's book, please read Sheryl Sandberg's book about leaning in. Mm-hmm. We women don't do what you just described. So congratulations. That's yes. amazing. Yes. And I, I, to some extent, I, myself, um, you know, I always thought that I leaned in so hard that I fell across the other side of the table, <laughs> which is probably true. And a lot of men would probably tell you that I do. But um, it's also important for us as, as managers of women to understand that women, we often say, if I don't check every single box, yep. I'm not applying for that position. And when I read that book, as a manager of women, I felt like I had failed. And I looked back on you know, 10 years of running a manufacturing company, and the only people who ever asked for a raise were men. And so as a manager, you know, thinking about how we as women operate is really important and that we're willing to, to take more risks um, and, and bro- bridge that fear of failure, I think, mm-hmm. is important. And you mentioned earlier about risk-taking and the mm-hmm. importance of that, and that's something I do think we struggle with. And you also made an interesting point about sometimes you're going to be wrong. And one thing I try to tell people is, or remind myself too, is I fail every day at something. Sometimes it's just putting matching earrings on, and sometimes it's much bigger. <laughs> you know, but ingraining that in your life, that failure is a part of, of things, that it's okay to take risks, and it will be scary. Sometimes it's just going to be scary. And I think yeah. that's an important piece for people, particularly early in their career, to get comfortable with the idea of risk and failure. Yeah, and I think, you know, something that I struggled with early in my career is if I were supposed to be doing this, if I were good at it, it wouldn't be so hard. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be so scared. I would feel more brave. I would, you know, if I were a natural leader, then I would already feel like a leader kind of thing. There is no such thing, right? (laughs) This, um, uh, another thing she talks about is, um, the, the feeling that you're, um, sort of, um, imposter syndrome. syndrome. Thank you. Yeah. This, this sense of imposter syndrome is real. Um, it, and, and for me, my position was actually designed for a retired CEO. And if you read between the lines, or actually if you just read the lines, it was very clear um, <laughs> that they were looking for someone substantially older. Um, and, and I, but I had just come from eight months of driving my kids around the country in an RV, and I was like, I can do anything now. <laughs> um, and so I, and, and I read that book, and the combination of saying, oh, you know what, I'm just going to, if they believe that I can do this, and I believe that I can do this, we can do this. And it's now four and a half years in, and, and we've, we've passed our agenda in two and a half years that we thought was a five-year agenda, and you know, we're making strides. But it, it, you have to remember that 
pretty much everybody around the table is, is suffering from imposter syndrome. Of, <laughs> so when are they going to figure me out? <laughs> right. When are they going to find out that I don't actually know everything about what I'm supposed to be doing? That's wonderful. Yeah, I struggle with that every day. <laughs> That's amazing to hear, especially from women in, in your positions mm-hmm. and um, now taking on another role at Red Hat, going into a manager position. To hear that from someone like you, and um, I, I think it's, it gives the rest of us hope. So often we're exposed to people who are at the peak of their career, whether that's athletes or actors and actresses and or musicians. And so you look at it and you think, oh, that looks easy. You know, you see an incredible speaker on stage and you're like, oh, I couldn't do that. That's too hard. And I think it's easy to forget how many hours of practice went into that. And so I try to encourage, particularly when I'm talking to younger student groups and things like that, like just practice, just do it. It's only going to get easier if you keep doing it. And so I think that can be a big piece of it too, is reminding yourself that they weren't born that way. Yeah, that's wonderful. So we started this conversation with um, taking some risks, talked about some risks that you all took. The advice that I'm walking away with, we started talking about, you know, just test things out, Mm -hmm. test things out before you jump all the way in, but stay open to opportunities, build your network, build it before you need it, always be building it and make it, not to use this academic term, but make it interdisciplinary, make it go across (laughs) different groups. Um, Being open to failure was a big one. I loved hearing that from everyone. even if you don't meet all the requirements, still apply. I think that goes into a lot of different areas of life, not just job positions, but that's really wonderful. Um, Building trust is something that I loved hearing. And then when we talk about these tribes, thinking about what shared goals do we have and how can we bring other people into our shared goals, help them see the path to that shared goal. But getting into the nitty gritty, the advice, the tips that go with this, you're all fiercely dedicated to building communities in the triangle that can thrive both now and in the future. What's one thing that our listeners can start doing this week? Go vote. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You want to say any more? It's a primary. You can go vote right now, get educated, and better take a friend and go vote. Oh, I love it. Or five. Or five. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Okay. So Ashton with the go vote. I love it. Thank you. Be kind. Mm, so what do you mean by that? You know, kindness is contagious. If there's one thing that you can do that doesn't cost you anything, it's just be kind to each other. We all have these facades on our faces, but but just be kind to somebody walking down the street or or help somebody at the store. And and you know, I, I like to put away the shopping carts at the grocery store, and like there's this sense of satisfaction <laughs> that I just help somebody yeah. out just a little bit. It's, it's a silly little the thing. Same. Do you do, <laughs> yes, do? I do? That's a note that I actually made though to bring up. It's the idea of lightening someone else's load. Yeah, like oh, just that okay. one little I, act yeah. of something. And sometimes it's just kindness, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's the idea that don't we all love it when someone makes our day just infinitely easier, like just the tiniest little bit easier. And so I think that can be a really important thing is just lighten the load wherever you can. And can you give me an example. How has that played out in your careers as you've built communities? How have you seen acts of kindness help to build the things that, that you all have built? Oh, I see it every day. I'm, I'm working in collaboration with um, NC Child and the North Carolina Early Childhood Foundation and, and Best NC on a birth to third grade continuum. And the three of us as executive directors created a relationship to begin with that was based on trust and mutual admir- admiration and a shared vision. And we are doing things as, as nonprofits, we tend to compete with each other, mm-hmm. right? It's all a limited pot of, of resources. Mm-hmm. But we worked on a, a project where 
together we wrote the RFP and then I went out and raised the funds and then I just handed the whole thing over um, to one of the other groups because they had um, a better assets on their team to get it done and the timing was right and we just we took down all the walls between us um, and 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 the multiplier effect of something that would have been a good project is now nation leading because we all just took down the barriers between us and just got the work done it reminds me of that quote if, if you want to go fast go by yourself but if you want to go far Precisely. Yes. 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 Shout out to Michelle Hughes and yes. Tracy Zimmerman, <laughs> my girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think shared vision is really a big thing. Shared for vision. Even, yes, yeah. because uh, there are so many, especially with what we, we are doing with Chick Tech, there are so many other organization trying to um, bring girls and women into technology. So it's uh, remembering that we are all working together for the yes. common goal and not really going to be at each other and <laughs> trying yeah. to get away from each other. So it's just having that thinking of shared vision is a really big thing for us. So I'm hearing you both talk about something that I've heard the term, um, the abundance mindset. And that's yes. different from, you know, the scarcity mindset is there's a limited number of resources, so I need to get mine. Mm -hmm. Whereas right. the abundance mindset is there are more than enough resources for all. So while I'm getting the resources I need, I'm also supporting others and helping them get the resources And that's need. also around a conversation around collaboration. Um, when you're talking about collaboration, it is that abundance and understanding that you don't need to have exactly all of the resources you need to be willing to open up your resources and pair them with someone that has another quality or has another network or has another vision even where you can just kind of build that shared value and go so much further because you're bringing things together. And thinking about ways that we can people can individually improve their community mm -hmm. this week. Part yeah. of it is flipping that around and saying you have things that organizations need. Yes. You oh, have skills that. and talents and so Look at things that interest you, the causes, whatever it is that moves you, and, and get involved in some way. I think there are so many opportunities in our community to lend particularly professional knowledge. Yeah, that's amazing. For me, I wanted to add something you can do this week is yeah. take a pause and kind of self-assess. I, I try to do that fairly frequently and say, what's the fear that's holding me back this week? And then how am I going to face it? So we were talking about not feeling 100% ready for things. And I can say in my career, I've never felt 100% ready for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I've stepped into it and grown from it and, and learned. And, you know, you have to be focused as well and intentional. Mm -hmm. Not be married to the, to the product, but yes to the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's something that anybody can, you know, do because it, it depends on your mindset. It depends on where you are right now. It depends on where you think that you're going this week. I think everything that we've said so far for this week mm -hmm. wonderfully are things that we can we can all do. So one, yes. Ashton and I are going to go vote together. We're going to bring four friends. <laughs> do you guys want to go? I have to go. Yes, do it. We can all walk here. down to the Let's Board go. of Elections. We can all vote early <laughs> voting. Love it. Um, being kind, putting the grocery carts back where they belong is one great start, but being aware of how we can lighten others' burdens. Um, getting involved. So whether that's hands on deck at a volunteering opportunity on a Saturday or just letting people in your community know what your skills are. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that in this room right now, we have somebody who volunteered to help us with audio equipment. He's got yeah. a pair of headphones Thank on you. and he's checking our levels. And that's because that's his background. Even something like this came together because people raised their hands and said, here's what I can help you with. Um, so shout out to Dan. Thank you, Dan. That's awesome. Um, and then self-assess. I love that. 
So checking in with your intentions, looking for your fears, and then just saying, these are my fears. Here are some ways that I can take them on this week. So I love this homework. And as it relates to volunteering, don't wait to be asked. That happens all the time is people wait for someone to ask them to do something instead of saying, oh, I can I can help out. I can be there. So how how do we raise our hands? What are some ways we can raise our hands? Just look at any nonprofit. We desperately, we're always looking. Nonprofit sector is always looking for volunteers. Well, yes. this volunteer is a, work is a great way to develop a skill, too. So yes. it's one thing if you're applying a skill that you have as already a talent, but if it's something that you're sort of maybe rusty on or something that you're trying to develop your talent for, a volunteer, you know, they don't mind that it takes 20 hours instead of 10, mm. be, and you just got 20 hours of, of skill building practice, yes. right? So, so keep staying true to the skills that you want to develop and the things that are important to you because it's also a matter there are so many opportunities narrowing it down and staying true to yourself is really important good direction and i think just the awareness there's lots of opportunities out there but then also you brought up this wonderful point of you can meet them where you are so here Mm -hmm. are the skills i have right now here are the skills i want to build here are the hours i have right now here are the hours i can give how can i help I'll give an example. When I was CEO of a manufacturing company, I was involved with the the Greater Raleigh Chamber, and they had education concerns. And I I would sit there at my factories abroad and crunch numbers, like hundreds of hours of crunching data on a specific topic, which ultimately failed as a policy. And I, I, tears of like, what did I do? Why did I spend all that time, you know, worrying about this issue? And then Ten years later, suddenly I'm I'm being asked if I'd like to run a nonprofit that bridges the gap between business and education. Yep. And everything that I did, actually, and I was not recommended by the person that I was doing that volunteer work oh, for. Wow. <laughs> right. So it's you know you never know you know is it going to benefit today? If it's going to benefit in the future, who who is it? But just doing it for the right reasons, yeah. and and it will it will come to to pass on on where the benefit will lie. It, it 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 will pay off. It just might not be today, and it might not be in the way you had hoped it would pay off. Yeah. I can totally relate to that and everything that everyone has said because uh, with Chick Tech, I didn't know I had to do budge- budgeting. I didn't know I had to. <laughs> do even planning but saying yes really mattered yeah. so I was like okay I would figure it out that's wonderful yeah, definitely and what's fascinating is I think it can lead us into a third question so there are so many events in person online for professionals now how do you decide where to say yes where to put your time um, Brenda you mentioned earlier having to make this decision with kids it's something that with a four-year-old mm-hmm. at home is always on my mind I want to say yes I want to raise my hand but I also want every once in a while to sit on the couch and watch a rerun of Parks and Rec. So <laughs> where, where do you draw that line? <laughs> I, I discovered a, fr- a friend of mine, a female executive mother, um, said, define, define who you are. Let everyone know what your priorities are. And it, it's not in any disrespect, but um, I'm an education person. That is my, my passion. That's my heart. And I will, I will support all of my friends on, you know, the, the lung association and the heart association and autism and all of these other issues that are so incredibly important. But if I'm going to lead and I'm going to lean in, it's going to be on an education topic. And when you're clear about what your priority is. And it could be a skill set. It doesn't have to be a, a topic. But when you're really clear, um, when you say no, they understand. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more accepted. I have kind of a 
almost a not like a checklist of sort of things because it is really challenging to balance all of it. And it's not just nonprofits, it's the business groups, it's the civic opportunities. Even if you're an introvert, I think that can be a really hard thing to do yeah. too, is finding that balance for yourself. But once you're sort of established and you've kind of got a network that you're comfortable with, I kind of look at it as, is this something that's important to me? To your point, Brenda, is this a like something that I am moved by personally, or is it something that's deeply important to someone that I care about? Yeah. You know, there's that kind of thing. Is it something that's a, a kid's recital or, you know, a niece or nephew's performance or mm-hmm. a best friend's event? Those are things you're, you're always at. And then from there, there's kind of a process of, you know, is it going to build my network or my skills? Am I going to enjoy it? Because that's oh, a big yeah. thing. A lot of times we're asked to go to things that we sit in there and we think, why am I here? Why am I here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what am I getting out of, what am I contributing to this? Am mm-hmm. I adding value or am I getting value out of this? And then what am I giving up for this? Mm. That's a big one for me that started recently to have to, I've got to balance a lot of things is mm-hmm. um, even in my relationship, I had to have the, the, it was told to me that I should stop doing so many things because <laughs> I wasn't spending any time with my relationship. And yeah. um, in some ways that was kind of a reality check of, you're right, I'm spending 14 hours a day out of the house and um, we're not getting any of this time. So what am I sacrificing am I up? Yeah. to give up for this? And that probably that's time with kids. But if it's Parks and Rec, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I can, I can <laughs> yeah. put Parks and Rec on pause. But you're right. <laughs> it's a great show, though. <laughs> it is a great show. Love, love a Leslie note, right? <laughs> so for me, I agree with everyone, what everyone has said. So finding what you're passionate, what, what you're passionate about and then why you're passionate about that. So realizing that why has been a big thing for me. Because uh, the reason behind Chick Tech why for me is my two girls and where they are and what their ideas are and how they are uh, trying to figure out what their career path is. So that is when I realized there's a big gap in what I'm doing. And I assumed being in tech, me being in tech, my husband being in tech, my girls are going to be super excited about tech, but (laughs) apparently not. Or rebel. (laughs) Right, exactly. That's exactly what they did. So so I think that is a big... uh, So finding why you want to do what you're doing is a big thing for me. Yeah, that's great. Another thing that has helped me is there is some negotiables and Mm non-negotiables for me. So the priorities for about my kids or going into their uh, recital, even if I don't enjoy it, that's that's a (laughs) non-negotiable. For me. So then finding that balance has been a big part of what I'm doing right now. So what I'm feeling really inspired to do is just to make sure that I I actually have this, you mentioned it, Ashton, as a list, that I have this list so that I understand, you know, here's where my heart is, here's where my interests are, here's where my values are, but then here are my non-negotiables, as Preeti mentions. Um, Here are the things I need. Ashton, you threw a cue to the introverts, so I'll... um, raise my hand as one of those. Here's how many nights a week I do need to be at home um, watching either Parks and Rec or, or Paw Patrol, um, depending on who has control of their mouth. You know, just making sure I define this, because then when you're bombarded with all these opportunities in your career, for your network, by your friends, by your family, you have this tangible thing. I'm, I'm feeling really inspired to make sure that I have that. And saying no can be really difficult to learn to do. And one of the yes. things that has helped me is also thinking about, does it need to be me who's at this? Oh, I love that. And yeah. if it's not me, particularly when you are in this community kind of facing roles that, that we are at this table, people love to ask you for things because you're the first person they think of and because you're wildly talented and all of those things too. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's easy to look and say, it doesn't need to be me. You need someone who has strong marketing skills and you know X, Y, and Z and say, can I introduce you to someone who would be maybe even a better fit for what you're trying to accomplish 
or if it's a networking event, you know, does it need to be me or can it be a colleague mm-hmm. who attends? So that can help free what up time. What a wonderful way to say no. I love it. No, but here no you go. But. No and. Yeah. Isn't that a yeah. no and? No, okay. however. Yeah. Yeah. However, yeah. I love it. Well, we're getting to the end of our time, so we need to wrap up. What I'd love to invite you to do if you're willing, but I'd love to hear from you. What's something that after participating in the podcast that you're taking away from this discussion? The first thing that comes to mind is it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So what do you mean? Uh, it's just it's refreshing to hear that the, some of these struggles that we do think are, are completely internal. We're all facing a lot of the same challenges. And I think that helps give me a little bit more patience with myself, a little more compassion for the people around me and for myself. And that's been helpful. The goal of building a community and sustaining a community is not a small one. So if this has given you any space <laughs> to give yourself patience, I am so happy to hear that. I think I'm inspired today. It's a great way to start the day. I love hearing about all of what you guys are doing. It's just so different and interesting to me. We always think about, oh, I want to build community because I want to... I want to help. I I want to make an impact. It's always outward, but there's also an internal process um, that happens when you expose yourself to spaces like this or to work or to putting the cart back. So that's something that's important. Oh, I just loved it because I do it too and I intentionally think like this is like 30 seconds of my life and there's a person that needs to go out in the sun or rain how or many times snow. yes a day because people just don't do this so that's why it like impacted I me. love you so much <laughs> which is actually my takeaway which is yeah. how do I continue the relationship yes. with each and every one of you how do I get each and every one of their LinkedIn <laughs> LinkedIn is is really my favorite professional yeah. network um, and it also it it's amazing how you'll you'll connect with somebody on LinkedIn and say like we've already figured out a connection that we have and um, Ashton and I but you'll pull somebody up and you'll say we should be blood relatives we have like 375 <laughs> people in common on LinkedIn how are we just meeting how are we possibly just meeting and yeah. and it it shortens I I recently saw a wrinkle in time and I just think it's like it's that wrinkle in time yeah. when yeah. you can shorten the cycles with oh did oh I realize you know and Campbell as well. Of course, everybody, everybody knows Campbell. <laughs> but how do you shorten those cycles? And yeah. LinkedIn is my favorite tool. That's wonderful. And if you, I think for people who aren't on LinkedIn, we've already talked about some great ways. Like when you go to events and when you raise your hand, you're getting exposed to more people. And yeah. um, I love what I'm thinking is when I say no to things, how can I continue to thread my network and offer other names and amplify other names? A big point for me. Um, I am very passionate about women in entrepreneurship and women in tech, and I often view myself as a minority. But the truth is, is that I have a lot of privilege as a white female who has lived in North Carolina for a long time. So as I thread my network, what opportunities do I have to amplify other voices? I think there's a lot of opportunity I'm now seeing in saying no to things and using that as a way to build my network by threading in other people. So I believe that when we, when we are brought to the table, I've always been the, the minority female at the table, and I really believe that it's your job to reach back and grab two more people and bring them to mm-hmm. the table. It was a white man who brought me to the boardroom table um, when I was uh, involved with the Juvenile Products Manufacturers Association, and it was all white men at the table. And so now it's my job to, to reach back and grab other people who are not represented and bring them to the table. I think it's having that perspective of remembering that when you do have those opportunities. I went to an event last night on civil discourse and I, I brought two people who didn't know each other and it was my, it's such a pleasure, it's such a privilege to then let that relationship yeah. bloom. That's Maybe wonderful. they'll go vote together. <laughs> I certainly hope so. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Maybe what's your takeaway? Um, so to me, 
I'm inspired as well. And another thing that I'm think I was sitting here thinking is, oh, community to me it meant a lot of tech women or my culture background. So it does. It, so now it means. So now it, it's actually. I realized that I need to have support of the community from around, not just tech or mm-hmm. Indian, other Indian women or Indian people. And so it's just like that is really something that I'm taking away from. Expanded definition of of the community. community. Yeah, I love that. That's wonderful. And there's an undercurrent in in a lot of these conversations about trust. And part of that is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And that's the risk taking. That's opening up the space, as you said, about, you know, giving some of yourself, but also about making space for others. And that's about being vulnerable. It's about taking that risk. And so that's an important reminder that I'll take away from today as well. That's amazing. Well, and that really leads us to close out this episode. We want to make that space. We want to hear from our listeners as well. We want to know, what are you going to do with what you've learned? What lingering questions do you have? So please reach out to us. We're at hello at reifymedia.com. That's R-E-I-F-Y media.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. We are all over the place. Uh, you could also get in touch with us if you have ideas for future topics or ideas for future guests as we're grabbing and threading from our networks. The Reify podcast was created, produced, and published by Reify Media, which is a digital media company based in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we're supported today by NC Riot and Riot Labs, which is where we're hosting this wonderful podcast. And that's an IoT-focused association, co-working lab, and startup accelerator. You can learn more at ncriot.org. And we're also a proud partner of HQ Raleigh, a co-working group with locations in Raleigh, Greensboro, and Charlotte. You can learn more about them at hq.community. So please stay tuned for the next episode of Reify. We look forward to seeing you next time. But before we end today, just a huge thank you again. I really appreciate all of your time, your insights, and your inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's been a joy. A quick thank you to two early supporters of this podcast. First, Tom Snyder, Executive Director at NC Riot. And also to Dan Schneider, no relation, who's a music composer and sound designer for Centerline Digital. Thank you both for your support. Thanks for sticking with us, and now for your secret haiku. Listeners, hear this. Say yes, just try, find why, and be kind. Always kind.